This is the 90s and 2000s. Please stay on the line if you wish to hear the flip phone podcast and learn everything about this epic era. Hello, thanks for dialing in. You're listening to the Flip Phone Podcast, a podcast about all things 90s and 2000s. I'm Fernas. And I'm Gabby. (laughs) (laughs) Last week, Gabby and I chatted about the major cell phone trends in the 90s, but it left us wondering, how the heck did we go from those bulky bricks to the smartphones many of us are familiar with today? For this episode, we discuss just that, the transition period in the 2000s that made the phones we now own. From our last episode, we learned that cell phones in the 90s were bulky, thick, not very versatile for the most part. And the ones that could do more than just make calls, well, they were hella expensive. In the early 2000s, many consumers were just getting used to having their own personal cell phones as it became more affordable thanks to cell phone contracts that helped pay for the expensive technology. One of those iconic phones we recognize in memes today is a Nokia 3310 released in the beginning of the 2000s we briefly mentioned in our last episode. It was a best-selling cell phone that lasted a long time because of its durability and has been jokingly called indestructible. <laughs> the phone had so many unique applications like a calculator, stopwatch, and a reminder. And you can even get a case for it. Have you seen the meme where someone was like, why did this phone even need a case? And then someone replies with, it was used to protect the floor. <laughs> Yes, I've seen that one. It's so funny and so true. I think someone in my family had the Nokia phone with the case, and I never thought more of it at the time. But now I'm like, why the the heck did that phone (laughs) even need a case? I mean, I think it was useful for, like, keeping the battery in if the phone ever fell on the floor. Yeah, and, like, but why was that such a trend back then? Like, phones... You, w- you could drop it, and it wouldn't even dent or scratch, but the batteries would always just pop off the phone. And it was like the back cap was just there for decoration because it didn't do its job very well. But you know, people were getting tired of chunky phones, and they needed something that fit a bit better and was lighter in their pockets, and maybe a phone that could do more than just talk and text. So in November 2000, the first camera phone ever was available only to Japan markets called the Sharp JSH-04. It was a flip phone with just a 0.1 megapixel resolution. I can just imagine how excited people were when they were first able to take photos with their phone. It must have made spying on people like so much easier, (laughs) even if the quality was not so good. But honestly, I wouldn't see a point of taking photos with it at all. (laughs) Interestingly, though, it took the U.S., two years to unveil their own camera phone. In 2002, the Sanyo 5300 became available for the price of about 400 USD and had a slightly better camera than the Japan phone at 0.3 megapixels. Yes, get that 0.2 megapixel increase. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) That's right. And then fast forward another two years from the camera phone came the iconic Motorola Razr phone. Isn't that the phone you said reminded you of the 2000s? I automatically think of Paris Hilton and her hot pink Razer cell phone. (laughs) This is one of the best-selling flip phones, no thanks to celebrity endorsement, but also the fact that it was slim, sleek, and shiny, giving it a very futuristic appeal and very fashionable. It had a color screen and camera for those perfect Paris Hilton selfies I'm sure she invented way before we knew (laughs) of selfies. And of course, a list of ringtones. We can't forget how important having the right ringtone was. Yeah, I think one of my friends had... Uh, or somebody that I went to school with had a pink Motorola razor, but I can't. I really wish I remember who it was. It sounds like 
the Motorola was a major mobile giant even beyond the 70s when they invented the first portable cell phone. It's insane because Motorola continued to change the game some more with another phone, the Roker E1 released in 2005. Now, many would assume that the iPhone was the first cell phone with the ability to sync with iTunes, but apparently it's Motorola. This Motorola phone was actually the first. The problem was is that it wasn't the best at doing it. It could only handle 100 songs, and many reviews of the phone said it took a very long time to transfer the music, <laughs> but otherwise, it was a really good phone for those that had iPods, and this one is something that you can make phone calls with. But you know, their dreams came true. In June 2007, when Apple unveiled their first phone, calling it the iPhone. This is a day I've been looking forward to for two and a half years. Today, we're introducing three things. A widescreen iPod with touch controls, a revolutionary mobile phone, and a breakthrough internet communications device. An iPod, <laughs> a phone. Are you getting it? These are not three separate devices. This is one device. And we are calling it iPhone. Today, today Apple is going to reinvent the phone. I can't believe it was unveiled 12 years ago. That's insane. I was in elementary school then. Right? It seems so recent. I used to think that they were the first to create a touchscreen smartphone, but it turns out it was IBM who did it first, and they did it all the way back in 1992. Mm -hmm. They called their device Simate, and it had an extensive list of applications that were very ahead of its time. But of course, like most devices in the 90s, they were very expensive and not for the regular folk. Does Simon stand for anything, or were they just like, what should we name this thing? I know, Simon. Honestly, I don't know. Let me um, look that up right now. <laughs> Simon, uh, why is it called Simon? Okay, so apparently it's based off that game called Simon Says. You know the game mm. where someone plays Simon and they're like, tells a group what to do. Like, Simon Says, touch your toes or whatever. So basically they're saying the phone is simple and yet it could do almost anything the user would want. Well, that's clever. Right? So although Apple wasn't exactly the first touchscreen smartphone, it was the first with exceptionally good user interface. What does that mean exactly? Well, it's basically the experience we have interacting with our devices. So with the computer, the way we interact with it is a mouse, and in the iPhone's case, it's touching the screen with our fingers. So the experience on the iPhone is smooth and very accurate. Apple has heavily patented the technology that allows us to use multi-fingers for other gestures on this touchscreen. That's why no other phone can do that. And basically, the screen is what made the iPhone. The problem, Steve Jobs said with the other smartphones, is the pesky full keyboard. He wanted to get rid of that. But um, the four biggest smartphone competitors Jobs mentioned at the first iPhone unveiling were the Moto Q, so that's Motorola, Blackberry Pearl, Palm Trio, and the Nokia E62 all had that annoyingly large keyboard. Did you ever own one of those full keyboard type phones? Nope. For me, um, after my LG Shine, it was an, it was an iPhone. Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't own one either. But, you know, I remember when I was in middle school, Blackberries were really big and then it really suffered after the iPhone came out. Everyone had a Blackberry because they loved the BBM, the Blackberry messaging system. You never, you didn't really need a data, you didn't really need a texting plan, but you just needed internet connection. And it was kind of like a pre-Apple iMessage. Pretty cool. 
I remember I wanted a BlackBerry so bad because of that full keyboard and BBM, and I almost got one instead of my first iPhone when my LG Shine broke down, but like, thank God I didn't because in my opinion, the iPhone was so much more versatile and so you can do so much more and it's safe to say that I made the right decision because one company is still thriving while the other not so much. And I think at one point... Blackberry was nicknamed Crackberry since a lot of business professionals are now uh, able to check their work emails on the go and while on vacation and stuff, like, all the time. They were absolutely hooked. Yep, I totally remember that. I bet it was a nickname given by the Apple people to just give them a bad rap. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. (laughs) Also, I love how these brands are based off of fruits, like Apple, Blackberry. But besides fruits, we gotta think about chocolate. (laughs) Right. (laughs) You probably all remember the iconic LG chocolate phone, right? Oh yeah, it kind of had a similar appeal to the Motorola Razr phone. It was stylish. Yeah, the colors of phone were all like candy or chocolate related, like black cherry, blue mint, ice blue. They were really cool. Cool. A mm-hmm. few of the buttons lit up on the phone's base, but weren't actual solid buttons, and the phones doubled as MP3 players. So fancy. So it wasn't exactly advanced technology compared to what we saw in the Apple iPhone, but definitely a symbolic phone of the late 2000s in terms of style, kind of like how the Razer was for the early 2000s. Yeah, when I got my first phone, I remember just downloading so many games and apps. Like, do you remember Tap Tap Revenge? I remember Tap Tap Revenge. It was a lot of fun. Right? And just being like, wow, there's so much to do with this new phone. And I don't have to carry my iPod around with me anymore because my phone is my iPod. Like, what is this magic? Okay, guys. So we've gone through an extensive list of phones. You're probably wondering by now, when the heck do Androids come in? Yeah, where did Androids come in? It was only one year after the release of Apple's iPhone that the first Android phone came out called the HTC Dream, or formerly known as a T-Mobile G1. It was a touchscreen Android phone that many critics said lacked functionality in third-party software, but it was apparently good for integrating with Google and had a notification system. Ooh, that does not exactly sound like a great launch. Poor Androids. So how do they manage to sell today? Yeah, so one year after the first Android release, Motorola, as usual, Mm -hmm. stepped up their game and joined the Android market. Their Android phone was called the Motorola Droid and is set to what made Android mainstream. It still had like a slide keyboard like the other one's jobs made fun of, but it had a touchscreen display too. It could capture video and play it back at DVD quality, which is pretty good, with a 5 megapixel camera. Meanwhile, the competition, a.k.a. iPhone camera, could only manage 2 megapixels. Good old Motorola keeping themselves in the game. I find uh, Androids to be complicated. Like, the iPhone's layout is much more simple. I think that might be one of the reasons why a lot of people went Apple instead. Android is very complicated, but I think they do it for a reason. It leaves room for imagination for people that are into developing yeah. apps. And just keeping it open to anyone that wants to make the phone how they want it to look make it their own you know Mm -hmm. instead of just having these set apps and set format and set software you have to put in and all that but you know i never told anyone this but i've considered getting a windows android phone i feel like such a traitor (laughs) oh my god farnets (laughs) i mean though okay androids get a lot of slack but um iphones aren't perfect either the android cameras are better quality and i think they have a much better battery life than iphones do And it's interesting to see the camera upgrade with the iPhone 11, that the new one that I think came out 
last week or something or just recently i think a lot of people are going to really like the quality of the new features but when you think about it the new features that the 11 has are features that some android phones on the market already have i mean android it makes you wonder like android is so ahead of the game yet people still go after iphone i never understood that yeah i mean nowadays i feel like i'm so used to the iphone that i'll probably stick with it like i've been sucked into the iphone vortex and there's no getting out (laughs) if i had to switch I'd probably go with the Google phone. Like, the camera is really cool, and you can do a lot with it when it comes to editing photos and stuff. Um, And you don't have to deal with iCloud or it filling up really quickly and getting those incredibly annoying notifications every two seconds reminding you that your iCloud is full. Um, And the battery life is just, it's really good. Like, also, it's so much cheaper than the iPhone, so that's also a bonus. Like, it starts around $550 versus over $900 for the price of the iPhone 11. So there's like that huge difference. But you know, I really wanted to get the Motorola Z. It seems so cool because you could get all these attachment mm-hmm. devices, like you can attach a speaker, like an actual physical speaker, and we're like add a professional lens camera. It was so good. Like it looks <laughs> so cool. The Google phone is pretty good if you're somebody that wants to take a lot of photos. Yeah, the much. shots look super professional from what I've seen. But like many, I'm honestly stuck in that Apple Vortex too like once i feel like once you get an apple you just don't go back and that's the truth but honestly i wonder if leading companies like motorola they got overtaken by apple you know is apple next will this ever happen to apple will the next big thing completely erase the identity of apple i don't know i mean at the rate that they're going it doesn't seem like apple will be knocked off their throne anytime soon there's always way too much hype in their advertising and stuff and i think if they keep up with the trends, Apple will probably do fine. I think Apple should still be a little worried because if it can happen to the best of companies like Motorola, who basically invented the cell phone, who knows what's to come in the market and throw them off their game with technology way ahead of theirs. Yeah, it's true. And like, who knows what the next generation of kids are going to be dealing with, with with technology. So you never know. But until then, thank you for dialing in to the Flip Phone Podcast. If you want to know what you think, Flip Phoners, did you own any of the phones we talked about? We all know about Gabby's hot pink algae shine. It's so embarrassing. I, on the other hand, had my first phone much later, an iPhone 4S. Yes, and what do you prefer? Are you an Android lover or have you taken a bite out of the apple? (laughs) Please send us your thoughts on social media. We'll be active on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Just look up the Flip Phone Podcast. For uh, the next episode, we're continuing our tech talk with those iconic gadgets from the 2000s, like the Easy Bake Oven or Bop It. Oh my god, Bop It. That game was actually hard. It really was. (laughs) And I used to have an Easy Bake Oven, and the food was so gross. I don't even know how this was approved for kids. Yeah, cooking (laughs) things with a light bulb probably was not such a great idea, but we'll get into that more next week. And remember, you can listen and re-listen to us on many platforms like SoundCloud, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Please subscribe to those if you haven't already so you can dial in Fridays. Until next time, Flip Phoners, bye-bye. Bye!